This is Starting Somewhere, a podcast from the University of Melbourne, all about internships, finding one, landing it, and making the most of the experience. I'm Buffy Gorilla, and all of a sudden, I find myself with three mentors. Better late than never, I guess. And now, I'm host of this podcast. And I'm Ben Pawson. I've done 12 informational interviews, and now I'm co-host of this podcast. So we're clearly the best people to help you start somewhere. That first day, you suddenly are able to sign off on drug orders and write prescriptions and things, and that's... Yeah, something I definitely remember being waved ECGs in front of me and asking me to sign off on them and feeling very anxious that, oh, right, I am the doctor. Yes, this is my job now. And just that steep learning curve. So, And I guess the patients didn't know that that was my first day as a doctor and you very quickly assumed that role. But I guess that's what you've been training for for your whole degree. You're in the door. Day one is done and dusted. Your laptop works, you know where the printer is, and who your boss is. We covered all of that in episode four. What next? What do you want to achieve while you're in your internship? What are your goals? Here's some advice we gave back in our very first episode about what internships can do for you. Oh, the memories. What we learned was is that they can help you rule something out or give you a window into a new profession, or they could even be a stepping stone into that profession, all in a super low-risk environment. It's just an internship. It's not a job. It's four weeks, three months, part-time, full-time, whatever, which is great. Yeah, I feel like it's important to set those expectations and really clearly communicate with whoever it is, your line manager or who you're reporting into at that time from the very beginning to understand, okay, what are the goals? If you're there like Haley for a four week period or like me, it was three months, what are we aiming to do during that time period? And then taking note of, okay, what is the goal at the end of it? And then breaking that down into smaller steps beforehand. And I feel like most likely there'll be a, a key to the pathway of your internship. For mine, for example, it was in marketing and HR. So we set out some clear goals and steps of what we wanted to achieve during that time. You are so correct, Rebecca Ashton of Tandem Partners HR. Verbalizing your goals will help them become more concrete, and you will have a tool for benchmarking your internship progress. But Haley Spedding, also of Tandem Partners, lets you know that it's okay to have goals that you don't share with everyone. Super secret goals. My favorite kind. It's something we all do, and I know I did at my internship. Try not to overthink it. And I think it's really important to have your personal goals as well as perhaps professional goals. I think, you know, as a student, it's quite a big experience. It can be a little bit overwhelming, but you're at the very, very start of your career. And there might be a little bit of soul searching or career searching that will happen during the time of your internship. And I think on a personal level, walking in and knowing, okay, well, what do I want to get out of this experience on a personal level? Is it to really test out if I actually like HR? That's probably not something that you might disclose to your line manager, but it might be quite a, a big aspect to your experience. But also when you're setting professional goals, I think 
make sure that they're in line with your line manager's expectations. So what are those expectations? What would they like to see from you during this experience? And then align your professional goals to that. So you know that you and your line manager are on the same page from the get-go and then write it down and then track that throughout to see, well, am I meeting expectations? Am I kicking those goals? Much like a choose-your-own-adventure novel, the ending that you have in mind might be very different to what your manager sees for you. And that's okay. We are all the entrepreneurs of our own careers these days. So take charge. It is your career. No one else is looking out for you. And as Neil Wilson, a psychologist with the University of Melbourne, will confirm later, people are not thinking about you very much. So you need to think about you. And the people you work with aren't mind readers either. So if you want something, ask for it. Tell people what you want and why you want it. So what is your goal? Thinking back to my internship, it helped me confirm that I did not want to work in TV. But I did want to work in radio. I did a good job of making connections, and they turned into a mammoth internship. And that helped me achieve some of my personal goals. Pitching stories and getting a radio story I voiced and edited onto Radio National. I had to put myself out there and ask for some of these opportunities. Could asking for things be the secret to getting what you want out of your internship? Definitely. And that was a very much a conscious decision, despite being uncomfortable about it. Something that I'm aware of as well. Sometimes I've noticed that my male colleagues would be more eager and readily available to go, yep, I want to put my hand up. And I didn't want to miss out on opportunities by not doing the same. So it was something I wasn't comfortable to do, but something I pushed myself to do. And I'm so glad I did because I got exposure to so many other things I wouldn't have otherwise. So even if it's uncomfortable, don't be afraid to stick your hand up and say yes, like Tess, a legal intern at a community law center did. The client exposure was one of the biggest things for me that I could actually help clients with my limited legal experience already with only one year. I could see that I was making a tangible difference in somebody's life by helping them filling out paperwork or explaining a process within a government institution. And so it really affirmed my knowledge and my education that I was getting at law school, that it did have a real world application. It was good that Tess had clear goals for her internships, and there are apps that can help you identify and track your own goals. But your internship supervisor should be your first port of call. If the company is small or interns are a new addition to the hierarchy, think about finding a mentor. But I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll dig more into the mentor-mentee relationship in episode 10. If you are going to hit your written or unwritten goals, you're going to need help. Because very little gets done without the help of somebody. Where do you nail your flag in a sea of new people? If the urge to make best friends with everyone in your office overtakes you, as it often does with me, I have some advice. Resist! What is it that you call that? Uh, I call it fast friending, and it has backfired on me many a time. We could, but won't, talk about the drama queen, the Debbie Downer, that fair weather friend. I could go on. It's a hard balance to strike. You've got limited time on an internship, and one of the people in your office could give you a job in a few months or years. But you don't want to go around puppy-dogging everyone. 
I was just in a team that was very competitive and a lot of people who are very single contributors and very on their own. And it was very isolating and they don't share much. So we sat at lunch at one point and I just asked I'm a very talkative person, as you might hear. Um, I asked people, so how, how was your weekend? They're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm building at my house right now. It's a, quite a struggle. So the other colleague who they worked together for years said, oh, you're building a house. So, like, there was no private exchanges. There was very distant relationships at work. And you sat in, in rooms with no windows and had to work all day on your own. And I kind of realized that's definitely not an environment where I strive. I'm not a person who cannot be communicative or be in an environment that where people help each other or where it's more like a team. So that I learned. I mean, I learned amazing PowerPoint skills, don't let me lie, but, and I learned a lot of uh, detailed work, but work-wise, I learned that that's definitely not an environment I seek. But luckily, I knew in an internship, this is always temporary, right? If you're really in a work place, sometimes it's a bit harder to just say, oh, just I let go again. That's Julia Jansen, bringing us a perspective from Germany. Julia interned at one of the big four consultancies and then at BMW in Singapore. I guess, once again, it's a spectrum. The starting somewhere office is very open, very sherry, and it's a lot of fun, with intense bouts of head-down work. Over the first few days of your internship, you might be doing some serious plotting of the social landscape. But as Neil Wilson counsels, when people are not talking to you, they are not thinking about you. Initially, it's going to be difficult to analyze the different personalities and go, right, that dude's grumpy in the morning, my boss prefers this, the person sitting across from me at the desk has three kids, so sometimes dressed in the morning. So keeping note of that is actually typically the best place to start. But again, being aware that the amount of judgment that you may be feeling, no one's actually doing that, right? There's a 1% chance your direct supervisor might be doing it, but when they're not within eyeshot, it's impossible. Being professional is really just being nice and socially aware. Hopefully, we all have a way of doing that. But navigating where you fit in is hard. Michelle Lau, a University of Melbourne comm student, has been keeping up her internship diary, which has been going really well, mostly. There were a few little challenges, mostly mentally, I'd say. For example, because the office has such a horizontal hierarchy, which is amazing. All the co-workers, the staff, the bosses, everyone is just like a massive friendship group and get along so well. But unfortunately, because some of the staff, because they're nearly like the same age as me, I feel quite pressured to act a certain way and become quite cool. And I don't know why, but I find that quite tough, especially because I'm an intern. There's always this voice at the back of my head feeling like I have to act a certain way. And it's quite hard for me to articulate exactly what this feeling is. But I think as the weeks go along, I might understand how I'm feeling a bit better. And as I kind of interact with the coworkers, I'll get a better understanding of why I'm feeling this way and how I can overcome it. It's definitely quite a challenge for me, especially because I've always thought myself as quite an outgoing person. And so I didn't think that this was going to be an issue, but you know, this is going to happen to everyone. So I'm just going to have to learn to power my way through it basically until I feel more comfortable. Survey the scene. Take it all in. Be wary of fast friending and watch out for gossiping. Haley Smetting from Tandem Partners HR again. 
I think that a lot of it can be done through body language. You don't need to verbally say, no, I refuse to engage in this conversation. But you are able to excuse yourself quite politely um, from social situations to perhaps move over and speak with another group of people. And that's probably how I would suggest it rather than verbally stating, oh, no, I really disagree with this. I must leave immediately. So I think doing it in a very tactful, tasteful way probably be the best way to go about it. Really, it's a high-wire act. But at an internship, the stakes can be pretty low. So experiment with your workplace personality. But bear in mind that it's exhausting to be somebody that you are not. But there's no harm in trying to be the best version of yourself. What would your workplace personality be? Pretty much as I am now, I think. Perfection walking around. The things you learn now will come in handy for the rest of your working life. I think one of the biggest challenges is going to be pretty general to most jobs, that being it's tough to work under systems and under structures. When you see a lot of injustice, um, a lot of oppression and inequality in the world, it's tough to work in a system that you know is perpetuating that. But in that way, I think the tough thing there is also the blessing of it, that you learn to work through that. You learn to work with that and be able to make these differences, even when you're you know, going up against very, very challenging odds. That's Michael Bergdorf. He did an alternative to an internship, something we'll explore more in Episode 9. As a U.S. citizen, he signed up with AmeriCorps for a year of high school teaching in a pretty deprived neighborhood in exchange for some forgiveness of an astonishingly high student loan. That's our version of hex debt. So this goes to show you can pick up skills in a lot of places, and the schoolyard is probably very appropriate to the workplace. I think another challenge was definitely just getting to know these students and meeting these students. At least it was a scary thing for me going into it. But once again, I mean, that was one of the things that I was most excited about and that I, I left the year most excited about because I knew that these students had impacted me an amazing amount. And yeah, I, I still keep in contact with them. I still go back to visit them whenever I can. I still feel like, like I'm a part of my lives and, and they're definitely a part of my life in many ways, more ways than they would know. And just like the schoolyard, sometimes you might need to stick up for yourself, especially if you feel you're being taken advantage of, something that we'll look at in episode eight. Here's Neil Wilson again. Attempting to be assertive, I think that also involves trying to figure out whether this person's doing something to me that they shouldn't be doing, or if they're asking something of me that they shouldn't be asking. So obviously, getting a really, really good good grasp from the person who's actually responsible for you, what you need to be doing, not the person who's not directly responsible for you. Because the person who you're reporting to is the person you need to be listening most closely to. You cannot learn business maturity and you cannot learn that experience that you get in a workplace. Business maturity? Mm. What does that phrase mean? Yeah, so... Things like how to hold yourself in a meeting, things like presenting, do you move around and pace a lot, do you stand still and hold yourself strong, types of words that you use when you speak. So do you get into a meeting and say, yeah, like, I think like we'd be really great to have like more um, lunch breaks like, or can you actually deliver a suggestion with purpose? So those were the things that were really valuable to me in my internships. 
So what Mary Trumbull, who is a client services manager at LinkedIn Australia, learnt is just one of the skills that employers are looking for to make a difference to their organisation. We did some research and we found a few surveys and the top things that employers are looking for today are, in no particular order, problem solving, makes sense, data analytics, which was a surprise to me, social media literacy, mm -hmm, again, uh, creativity, resilience, good business sense, and a willingness to learn, that being the entrepreneur of your own career again. I feel like I have most of those covered, and I'll just have to learn to live with the fact that data analytics will not be something I can ever add to my resume. Sad face. But my MBA really helped with my business sense, understanding how the place I work fits into its marketplace and what value they add and where their money comes from. So an MBA would be a great thing to do. And I hear the University of Melbourne Business School has a top one. But what about the time-poor rest of us? Well, this is where MOOCs, that's massive open online courses, and TED Talks and other stuff on the internet can help. So can professional bodies. I learned some great tips from the Institute of Fundraising Special Interest Groups in Scotland. Every profession has forums like this. They're just people getting together to reassure themselves that they're not alone with their particular struggles. I second that bit about professional groups. When I worked in higher education recruitment, I actually spearheaded a group of business school recruitment professionals who got together to share best practices. Wow, did you hear that? I am business mature. Great. And you'll need this business maturity in your internship because you could be playing with live ammunition or at least real customers the business counts on. And where you work could give you more or less opportunities to make an actual contribution to the business. And it sounds like this happens every day for the interns at Stake, the startup that Dan Silver runs in Sydney. In terms of a day-to-day -day responsibility, the intern team is really integral for us in managing the whole onboarding customer experience journey. So really to ensure that all of our customers have a great first experience with Stake, and then once they've had that great experience, how do they continue to have that? So if there's further questions, queries um, that come up, how do we go and make sure that we're the first line of defense and actually go and respond and resolve their queries of time? So that's, I suppose, the bread and butter. It really comes down to, well, how do we go and ensure that that customer's having that best possible experience on stake? And that comes into both in terms of what happens when they sign up, further questions they've got, but also how do we then go and improve those journeys and automate processes. So like challenging all our interns every day about how can we go and improve the experience for the customers. Compare that to the opportunities Julia Jansen says you might get at a corporate head office or a regional branch office. I think the difference sometimes is if you work for those companies that have headquarters somewhere that the headquarters are like hyper specialized. So everybody has a really, really specialty role and does something really tiny, so to say, in this whole framework. Whereas if you're more in those like subsidies or entities outside of that realm, more in the international environment, it can happen that you just have to do with all these specialists, but you have to touch all these different subjects to deal with them, right? So your, your scope is bigger automatically and you're getting more exposed to more diversified topics. In my case, you deal with interest rate risk, you deal with liquidity, you deal with currency risk, you deal with, I don't know, you name it. But in headquarters, you always have one particular person for or like even a group of people for that particular topic. You never get like a super deep dive unless you decide to, but you get to know a lot. So interning with a bigger company has its perks, but they might not always be better. Smaller businesses are nimble and often welcome the fresh eyes that interns can bring. 
This might sound like a strange comment to make about innovative companies, but innovative companies tend to be great places for interns because innovative companies tend to have a lot of humility. They actually don't think they know the answer to everything. And so they're very open, they're very transparent, they encourage conversations. That's Professor Colin McLeod from the Melbourne Business School. He's also the academic director of the Master of Entrepreneurship program, and he has his fingers in many pies. But he studies and also helps run innovative companies. Whether you're an intern or a seasoned employee, innovative companies have somewhere you can go with a good idea. And so if you're an intern who thinks you've got a good idea, no one forgets about it just because you're an intern. There is a process by which your idea gets heard. It may get rejected, it may get accepted. But once again, the important thing is you feel like your input's valued. I was told to approach pitching ideas like a a mini business case. Here's the problem, here's my solution, here's what it needs to get done, and, aphorism alert, in God we trust, all others bring data. So if you have an idea and you want to get it implemented in that business mature way, it may involve having to manage up something that will creep up in your career time and time again. So I think a lot of the time you think, right, I report into my my line manager and they're going to give me directions going forward, but actually switching that relationship around. So instead of waiting for that formal meeting with your line manager to get direction on, on what they see your next week looking like, really going to them first and saying, hey, can I have five minutes of your time? This is my plan. This is what I'm thinking to reach the goals that we've set out. Does that align with what your expectations are? Things like that. So taking control of it first instead of waiting for somebody else to come to you. Alex Alvaro recorded an intern diary for us when she was at The Age newspaper. We've been hearing her real intern experiences since the start of this podcast. Go back and have a listen. But for now, she's been learning business maturity all over the place. So days three and four have been super busy. Today I didn't even leave my desk to get lunch. But luckily I'm finding that my internship at The Age is teaching me a lot of skills in how to deal with people. And I'll give you an example. Today a very well-known celebrity, some might even say national treasure, hung up on me after kind of losing it at me and telling me that I hadn't done my research. And I had, by the way, it just turns out they weren't quite in the loop. But yeah, they just didn't even give me the chance to explain myself and I was completely taken off guard when they yelled down the line at me. But after the call, I spoke to my editor and she told me that they're pretty notorious for pulling that kind of thing. And she gave me some great advice, which for any journalism students is worth listening to. And it's basically just to butter them up and hopefully they come around because who doesn't like a bit of ego stroking? But after the initial shock of the call wore off, I was kind of glad that it happened in a way because I did learn a good lesson and realize that sometimes I just need to stand my ground. Meanwhile, over at the National Australia Bank, or NAB, any downtime might be hard to come by. But I could be putting words in Rems Ambassas' mouth. Let's let him explain. I might start with the two that are the more structured ones, so the FIC internships I'll start with. So, seven-week program. The biggest thing or biggest, I guess, characteristic of that internship is that they get real-life experience of what it's like to be on a trading floor. They get to see and hear deals being made, all of those kinds of things, which is, I think, a a very new experience for, for many of our interns. In addition to that, they get a weekly, what they call, leadership series, which fundamentally boils down to a chance to interact with both senior and executive management in those businesses. And then beyond that... We also run a simulated trading competition. 
for those grads. If I then go to something like the Indigenous internships, again, it will come down to the business that they're in. But fundamentally, they get exposure to meetings, meaningful work, interaction with senior leaders. That tends to be a core characteristic of any of the internships that we run. For our Indigenous interns, the other piece that they have is an introduction to and a chance to experience some learning and development pieces via our corporate partner, who are career trackers, who are very big in the Indigenous Australia space, particularly around internships. So we work with them and they get access to learning and development via them. Being mature about your business kind of assumes that you believe you should be in that business in the first place. But in all likelihood, you are new at this. What if you start to feel like you're making it up as you're going along and you're going to get busted any minute? Don't you feel like that every minute of every day? Uh, mostly, yes. It's not a diagnosable thing, but I come across it quite a lot in environments like that. It's called imposter syndrome. It's where people feel like they don't deserve to be in an environment, so they tend to shut down or get a bit worried about what other people are thinking. Generally, if you've got the internship, they've seen something in you that they like. People don't go out of their way to get people into their office if they don't like them or if they don't see anything there. So really reminding yourself of that. Neil Wilson, are there any ways that you can get over having that imposter syndrome? One thing that I often recommend is to get people to keep a log of the the days where no one actually said that. That concern that we have about ourselves, like, it's usually I don't deserve to be here or I don't know what I'm doing. It's usually a variant of those two things. What I do ask people is, did anyone look you in the eye and say that directly? And when they say no, then it's like, well, maybe keep a log of days or hours when that doesn't happen because it starts to build evidence in a different part of their brain that can be used later on in life to challenge those type of negative thoughts. So, yeah, that's what I would recommend, of just keeping a log of, did anyone actually say what I was thinking? It'll be no. There it is. You are supposed to be there. Don't worry about it. As one of the best bosses that I ever had used to say, there's nothing you can't do, just things you don't know how to do. But being an intern means you have more than most to learn. And, as we've seen, doing is one of the best ways of learning. So you better get comfortable asking for what you need. Lean into it. It's so easy to ask for birthday and holiday presents, but why is it so difficult to ask for feedback? I used to be terrified of feedback. The constructive criticism would almost make me cry, and the effusive would make me turn a shade of vivid pink. But as I have transitioned careers... I've learned to love it and have gotten so much tougher at taking some of the constructive feedback. You could ask my colleague Mira. She loves to say, Buffy loves feedback. Give her some. There was an errand where I had to go get some boxes from Officeworks and the kind of momager of the office decided she would offer to drive me and that was so nice of her. She told me a bit more about Keep Left and all the colleagues and she kind of motivated me to really take initiative and ask to sit in in meetings, which has been a goal of mine since last week on like Friday because I've been doing a lot of media lists and logs and I really want to kind of understand how the whole background works a bit more. So when I went back and I talked to Jordan, who was giving me another task, I took up, I got the courage and I asked him, hey, look, 
if there are any chances of any pitches, any brainstorm sessions, could I please join? And it was nice. It felt like, you know, even if I don't get to sit in any pitches or brainstorms, the fact that I even took up the initiative to ask was a big step for me. As an intern, one of the main things that you worry about is whether you're doing a good job. And so for that, feedback is so important. Um, and there was a really cool experience that happened that was on Wednesday. Uh, Jordan asked me to find some pictures for a company because Current Affair was interested in writing or reporting in, um, a news report on it. And so I had to go on this website and find pictures. And then on Friday, he came up to me and was like, hey, by the way, you know those pictures that you found for Current Affair? They absolutely loved it and they're going to use it. And that was a pretty cool feeling because that was actually the first time I got face-to-face -face feedback on how I'm actually doing. And it was a pretty cool feeling. Good work, Michelle. But sometimes the feedback won't come to you. You have to go and ask for it. Linda Rose Edvaldsdottir from Iceland, who on top of doing a super challenging internship, is doing it in another language. For me, it's been organic, I think. I try to be independent because I'm very aware of they're all super busy and uh, and like the work they're doing is incredible. So I try to be as independent as I can, but of course, like you can't always be self-sustainable. So maybe I'll write an email and we're like sitting next to each other, but I'll like write an email with some questions and either they answer right away or we have like weekly meeting where we'll address the different questions that I've, I've written or English is not my mother tongue. If it's something concerning English, I'll just often ask, I'll just interrupt and be like, uh, is this face? English, or am I making it up? <laughs> and if things are going well, David Bacon says, ask for more things. What could go wrong? We're kind of busy, but if you pin people down and say, yeah, I want to learn, no one will turn away from you if you say, I need your help, or I'd like your opinion or your expertise on this. I know when I started my first job, I didn't say no for the first year and a half. <laughs> and I probably went the other way. It's like, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. And that nearly killed me. <laughs> And people pulled me aside at the end and said, listen, you need to slow down and you can say no. If only David Bacon had had the wise counsel of Hayley Smedding. To be very aware of what your capacity actually is, because you don't want to overpromise and then underdeliver and take on too much and then not be able to deliver on that workflow. If this is your first time in an office, you'll be picking up new skills every day. And before you know it, you'll be thinking about what's after your internship. Because sooner or later, an internship will come to an end. And you have to decide, is this your red thread? Julia Jansen explains. Two key things I, I wanted to tell them is, yes, everybody tells you the doors are open and you can do a lot of things and just try. And I would fully agree. But I would also say that at one point, the longer you're into your career, there's a red, uh, we thought, call it a roter Faden in Germany. So there's a, like a red thread that continues in your life. So, for example, in my case, I kind of realized I've been in the automobile industry for quite some years, then I think five and a half or six years after a while. So if you talk to and they always want to place in automobile industry. Yeah. So you kind of have a red thread. So you should not forget that if you decide to go on a certain path, try to make sure you're comfortable with that. Because at the beginning, you can change around a lot. 
And unless you specialize in something like, I don't know, search engine optimization or IT, where you can flexibly choose around, at one point you get branded in a certain industry. So I think at the beginning you can still switch, but just keep that in mind. And then I think the other was that at the beginning, I think at internships, it's really fascinating if you want to work for the big corporates. I think skills like, I don't know, PowerPoint and Excel sound so basic for a lot of students nowadays, but they are still very valuable to the company. So try to really increase those skills. And writing macros or VBA or some things are usually still advanced in a lot of big corporates. Lemon, I like to think of myself as a winner and I like to surround myself with winners. I see potential in you. Let me be your Jack Welsh. Let me be your mentor. No, thank you. That is unfortunate. A mentor-mentee relationship like Liz Lemon and Jack Donaghy's can help. And if it feels right, think about approaching someone as a mentor. They can be invaluable in helping you identify that red thread and for a host of other benefits. We'll take a closer look at how to go about finding a mentor in episode 10. But for the moment, some mentoring light guidelines from Glenn Davis, the vice chancellor of the University of Melbourne. It always depends on where you are in the journey and what you're looking for. So it's hard to have golden rules. What a mentor gives you is perspective. You shouldn't think of them as the person who's going to get you a job or introduce you to... That's not an appropriate use of a mentor. That might happen, and that's fabulous, but actually not what you're looking for. What you're looking for is someone who can help you reflect on your journey, your experience, your ambitions, to think about what you'd like to do, who can quietly help you think about the things you're not good at, we've all got those, and help you think about how you might improve. And what a mentor does is help you work out the direction that you want to pursue. They're not there to direct you, they're not there to tell you what you should do, and nor are they instrumental. They're not just there because it helps you. They're actually there because it's someone... You can have empathy and a conversation and a discussion with, and that's why they matter. And even when you think you've got your internship figured out, remember, always be learning. Today, my highlight was probably finding where the office fridge is after seven days of eating tepid salad for lunch. So that was a win. Solid advice, Alex. And in the next episode of Starting Somewhere, you've got uni, your internship, maybe a job, definitely friends, a social life more or less. How do you keep it all going? Ben and I try to help you juggle it all. There will be stories of burnout and how to identify it and even manage it. Plus productivity hacks because starting somewhere means even more to do. Starting Somewhere is brought to you by the University of Melbourne External Relations Team. The producers and editors are Buffy Gorilla and Ben Pawson. Our supervising producer and original concept is from Dr. Andy Horvath. Thanks to everyone who has made Starting Somewhere a reality. Stay tuned for future episodes.